What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Gabby Dyson is the co-founder of Yield Guild Games, a play-to-earn gaming guild, bringing players together to earn via blockchain-based economies. They consider themselves the settlers of new worlds in the metaverse. In this conversation, we discuss blockchain-based games, DAOs, sub-DAOs, yield-generating digital assets, economic impact in various populations, and YGG's future vision. I really enjoyed this conversation with Gabby, and I learned a ton. I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is BlockFi. BlockFi provides financial products for crypto investors. Those products include a high-yield interest account, a U.S. dollar loan against your crypto collateral, and a no-fee cryptocurrency trading product. Also, BlockFi just released the Bitcoin Rewards credit card. It's a normal credit card. When you swipe it, you get Bitcoin back rather than cash back or airline miles. I've been using mine a ton. I'm an investor in the business, and I'm a really, really happy user. I think you will be too. Go check them out at BlockFi.com slash POMP today. That new Bitcoin Reward credit card. You got to check it out. It's a credit card, so underwrite the risk for yourself. But earning back Bitcoin rather than cash or airline miles has got a special, special feeling to it. BlockFi.com slash POMP is where you can get it today. Next up is Choice. It's time to stop paying capital gains taxes on your Bitcoin, and Choice is here to help. Choice is rebuilding the way Bitcoiners approach retirement by making it possible to invest in Bitcoin and 19 other digital assets inside your IRA. Right now, every time you make a trade, you have to pay capital gains taxes that can be as high as 37%. Choice enables you to trade real Bitcoin, other cryptos, and stocks without having to pay a dime in capital gains. The best part, they just released an iOS app, so you can open an account in less than 10 minutes and take control of your future from the palm of your hand. Join me and the 20,000 other Bitcoiners who have started their tax-efficient stack and open your choice account today. You can search Stack Sats in the App Store or visit choiceapp.io slash pomp. Again, choiceapp.io slash pomp. And one more thing, if you want to hold your own keys, Choice lets you do that too. Start stacking Bitcoin tax-efficient today and visit choiceapp.io slash pomp. All right, let's get in this episode with Gabby. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, what's up? Bang, bang. I've got Gabby here. Thank you so much for doing this. Hey, Pomp. Thanks for having me. For sure. I'm fascinated by what you're building uh, with YGG. But before we get into that, I want to first start with kind of how you discovered blockchain technology and smart contracts uh, and what initially caught your attention as to why you thought these could be so, um, you know, kind of innovative moving forward. Sure. So I come from the game industry, been making games for almost 20 years now. And uh, during the course of making games, we came across Ethereum or smart contracts or the concept of programmable money. And we thought that, you know, this was an interesting way to uh, basically put in uh, money into games. And we actually started experimenting on this um, back in 2017. And while we were doing our experiments on smart contracts, CryptoKitties came out in 2017 and 
popularized the non-fungible token. So the idea that you could put a unique asset on the blockchain and have it represent something, for example, a game item, that was really mind-blowing at that time. And I thought like this would be the future of games. When you think about those NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, uh, elaborate a little bit more in terms of why is it so important that you can actually have a unique asset on a blockchain and then in the gaming world be able to have the asset kind of separate from the game? Sure. So there are typically two kinds of assets, a fungible token, which could be a coin like Bitcoin or Ether or non-fungible token that represents basically one uh, one asset, one single asset. So it could be, for example, a sword or a shield in a game, could be a piece of armor, um, it could be a resource that you collect. And this is important because when you're in games, you're typically interacting with different kinds of assets. So you, you might be buying a house in a game to make it your headquarters. You might be an inventory with like armor and weapons. So having these represented as non-fungible tokens and then put on the blockchain means that it is now the owner of the wallet that owns them, not the game itself. So in effect, the assets lives outside the game. It's owned by the by the uh, person who owns them. And now they can trade it, they own it, they can pass it around to anyone as they wish. When you think about how this gets put into application. Axie Infinity is probably the best example we have so far as a blockchain-based game uh, that has really kind of hit some critical mass. Uh, I believe you started playing this game in 2018. Explain a little bit about what the game is uh, and then how it has taken uh, the country of the Philippines by a storm. Yeah, so Axie Infinity is a uh it's a pet battle game basically then you have these digital pets called axes you need three of them in a team and these three axes are nfts so they are unique non-fungible tokens that you either have to buy from the marketplace or create yourself via like in-game breeding and so when you play with the, with uh axie infinity these uh axes have uh, different abilities and you go into a battle with another player like you do in a pokemon battle and then you pit these abilities against each other and then when you win you win this um, in-game currency called slp or smooth love potion the smooth love potion is used as a currency or an ingredient to breed to axes to create a new one but what's interesting about it is that it can be synced to your wallet as a crypto token so now this token that represents something that has utility inside the game can be traded amongst people when you think about how that works, it has now gone to, I think, over a million daily active users. Uh, the game itself uh, is paying out millions of dollars a month. Um, and it seems like people all around the world have figured out that the play to earn model is here to stay. How important are NFTs in that? Like, could you have the exact same game without the uh, actual uh, items in the game being separate? Could you just have kind of a, a closed walled garden or is it really essential that they're NFTs? So play to earn has existed in some sense in the past, but they've always been kind of gray market against terms of service. So in games like World of Warcraft or RuneScape, they've always been kind of a black market to kind of buy and sell accounts, assets. But uh, yeah, like you couldn't do them trustlessly and it's prone to scams. And it was like 
prohibited by the developer. So if they were they caught you doing it, they could just uh, block your account and seize your items. Now, when these assets are NFTs, that means you're allowing for a trustless way for this trading to happen, which decreases the risk of fraud, for example. And people can trust that if I trade one asset for another, we'll have the exchange of value. I will get crypto, it might be Ether, it might be another currency, and then I get um, the NFT in exchange. And now I'm using this NFT to do something inside the game and earn a token that has value. In Axie's case, it's SLP. And that is kind of what what gives play to earn its underlying economy. And obviously, when you were playing Axie, you uh, came across this problem. And that's what led to the inception of YGG or Yield Guild Games. Explain what the problem was and then how you guys solved it. Sure. So um, it was around this time last year, and we were still in the middle of the first COVID lockdown here in the Philippines. And a lot of people basically just lost their jobs and are stuck at home with no income, nothing to do. So people in the rural Philippines were searching for a way to make money online. These are ordinary people, not crypto uh, enthusiasts. They found this game, Axie Infinity, downloaded it. Uh, downloaded a wallet and then just started playing. And then when they started playing and earning money, they realized that they could actually make more money, significantly more than the jobs that they were laid off from. So people started um, coming into the game from the Philippines and other countries as well across uh, Southeast Asia and Latin America. But the problem was that like a lot of people wanted to come in and play the game. Not everyone could afford the axes. Last year, a team of three good axes was maybe around 500 bucks. Now it's probably somewhere between like one to $2,000. So there's a lot of people who want to do play to earn, but can't afford the upfront asset cost to be able to do so. And that's where YGG comes in. We offer what we is called in the community, a scholarship program. What it is, is actually a lending program where we're the ones that invest in the axes and other assets needed for people playing the game. And then we lend them out to, the player community that wants to play and earn but can't afford to do so. So we're matching the the capital and organization and technology technology that we have with the community's time and effort to learn and play the game and earn money. So a player comes in, they want to play Axie Infinity. They don't have the money to buy the initial items needed to play the game. They come to you. You say, hey, we have those items. Uh, We'll give you a scholarship. The way the scholarship works is you lend them uh, the three axes that they need to play the game. And in um, kind of response to that, uh, there's a revenue split of the revenue that they generate within the game. Walk me through how that revenue split works. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about this idea of a community manager as well. Sure. So the revenue split is 70-20-10. The player or the scholar takes 70% of the revenue. The community manager takes 20%. And us as the guild, we take 10%. And the community manager is the one in each local community that recruits and trains players from across the world to play the game. So, you know, there's a little bit of an onboarding process when playing a blockchain game. Most people who are playing have the gaming skill, but have no idea what blockchain is, how to use a wallet and all of that. So the idea is that with the onboarding, you start with the gaming part, which a lot of people have. You start playing and then accruing SLP. And then along the way, the community manager is held there to support their own community and teaches them 
how to play the game properly, how to set up a wallet, how to keep it safe, how to like offboard the SLP they earn back into like their home currency. So that's what the community managers do. They are part of the kind of wider community of, um, of YGG. They're selected for their skill in managing and they're given access to our platform so they can give offer the scholarship um, to, to their players. And when you think about uh, the structure here, I know that you've described this in the past. Uh, there's a little bit of like a Berkshire Hathaway uh, style along with maybe like an Uber or a Lyft, right? You've got this uh, legal structure of YGG where there's essentially a holding company or a DAO, and then you have these sub DAOs or the equivalent of subsidiaries. And then you've got uh, kind of a gig economy component to where people can come in and they can play when they want. Um, and, and there's kind of a revenue split. So is this fair to, to kind of say that uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same in terms of the legal structure, but it's really using the internet and, and kind of this gig economy uh, interest that people have to, uh, to to really make this work? Yeah. So if you look at the structure and the business models, I don't think it's very different from what you see in the real world, except that all of it is very crypto native in that YGG is a DAO instead of a corporation. There are sub DAOs that contain assets and have their own wallet. And the tokens represent ownership of, uh, I guess, and governance of whatever is um, in that DAO or sub DAO. And now there are activities that the sub DAO does that maybe uh, um, that people can govern via, via token ownership on like, what will we do? What assets are we going to buy? Got it. And so when you start to think about uh, YGG, you have uh, obviously Axie Infinity. I believe there's 12 other sub DAOs that you have currently. And each one of these is a different game uh, that the sub DAO is focused on. Is the model the exact same for each game where it's the 70-20-10 or does the economics change based on the game and, and various uh, kind of inputs? Yeah, it's different depending on each game. So there are some sub DAOs that are organized around the assets of a game. For example, League of Kingdoms is such a sub DAO, and we are in the process of creating one for Splinterlands. We're also forming some sub DAOs that are based on people who are organized in a particular region around the world. So for example, it may be Southeast Asia or India or South America. And the idea of these sub DAOs, think of them as like the regional subsidiaries of an Uber or a these are people who have the playbook of how how we operate on a global level and then kind of tweak these so so that it's relevant for a particular region so these sub DAO may have their own game assets and then they're they're local game managers and then they have a localized approach to acquiring users creating content marketing What's fascinating to me about this DAO sub DAO structure is that each sub DAO, one, you're optimizing so that you don't get 50, 100,000 people inside of a, a guild, right? Having smaller numbers is important uh, from a community standpoint. But also, two, is uh, my understanding is each one of these has their own PL, their own wallet, et cetera. So maybe talk a little bit more about how you think of the structure and why you guys have chosen sub DAOs and then how uh, those sub DAOs, what are you optimizing for in each one? And and why hand over so much autonomy to the sub-DAO around the PL, the wallet, and, and all of that? Right, absolutely. So the basic unit of the DAO that generates value are players that are basically playing a game. And when these players are organized to play a game, like you'd feel lost in a guild of 100,000 people. That wouldn't feel... 
uh, interesting or fun because you're, you're not part of kind of a small tight-knit community. So each uh, community is kind of split into their own sub-communities or sub-DAOs. So for example, um, Axie, our Axie Infinity have 19 managers, which are basically 19 sub-guilds that have their own kind of structure and leadership and how they do things. So we may be kind of connected from the technology and the assets that we have um, and maybe uh, on a cultural level on what YGG stands for. But a lot of this, these guilds actually operate on their own and have really their own ways of doing things in their own different parts of the world. When you think about the holding companies, we talked a little bit about the sub DAOs and, and why you do that. The holding company really is giving uh, those that hold any sort of economic interest in the holding company a broad-based exposure, it feels like, to all blockchain-based games. But my understanding is that the holding company is not going to choose to set up a sub-down and participate uh, or hold assets that are not yield generating, right? So the, the yield generating yeah. part is, is really important here. So maybe talk a little bit about that holding company and, and how you view that and the decisions that you have to make or the trade-offs that you guys are are choosing to pursue. Sure. So we take a look at a lot of games that have nfts in them and we only uh invest in the ones that generate yield and that's because we're not meant to be trading we actually are not set up to buy and sell nfts we want to be able to invest in nfts and basically as long as there is a game environment around them that uh, generates yield we want to keep it forever we want to turn it over to our player base and we want them earning yield and earning an income from it for as long as possible so over time we want to invest in basically the greatest collection of yield producing nft assets in the metaverse meaning these games and virtual worlds that have nfts that produce some kind of cash flow via tokens. These are the ones that we're super interested in. Uh, right now, you guys are paying out six figures a week, you know, in some cases, one to two million dollars per month uh, to the players. So obviously, this is working to some degree. How do you measure success uh, moving forward? Is it the number of scholars? Is it the amount of assets? Is it how much you pay out? Uh, maybe there's a combination of things like, like what are those KPIs, uh, you know, moving forward for you all? Yeah, so we take a look first at how big the community is right now. It's over 60,000 people. Then we take a look at the number of scholars, which is super important because the scholars are the people who would not be able to join the community because they they uh, they don't have the means to to buy these assets. And we're the ones that are serving that these assets. So this is very important so that we can onboard more people into YGG and into these um, play-to-earn games. And then from these scholars, we take a look at how much uh, revenue they're producing in SLP. Might be the same for other games. And... Um, in the near term, we're more interested in player engagement than revenue because sometimes it takes a time it takes some time for uh, games to figure out a revenue model that really works. For example, Axie, like it was 2.5 years of iteration before the game started really taking off. And before it did, we'd already put up a significant position in a number of axes and number of land that we had. So games that have like really good engagement with the players. We start investing in their assets and we ho the hope is that as they take off, we already have a good position. And because we see the community actively playing these games, we're able to detect immediately if some of these games hold promise and invest um, additional funds into buying assets of these uh, games before they take off. 
One area that I think you personally have really opened my eyes to is this blending of uh, kind of work and games. And uh, you've walked me through in the past this idea of like, we already have the lo-fi examples of uh, these virtual jobs or the virtual economy. Um, but one of the things that you've, you've also said is uh, everything's going to converge together. Games, Web3, DeFi, NFTs, et cetera. Can you elaborate on that idea at all in terms of how this all kind of comes together? So now you're looking at uh, there's a lot of um, innovation in DeFi, and I think of DeFi as a gamified form of finance. And you're looking at play to earn, which are basically like financial uh, business models being put inside games. And when we talk about the idea of a metaverse, we're thinking of like a interconnected virtual world where people can come in and basically live their lives online. Like I can go to a virtual bank, I can play a game, I can lend my sword to another player. And we're obviously very early into this like ready player one idea of a metaverse, but the individual components are already there. There are uh, like DeFi elements that you can work with. There are NFT based games you can play. You can start um, collecting yourselves via a DAO and doing these different things together. So I think that as time goes by, these kind of blend into what uh, we call the idea of a metaverse. And obviously there are uh, all kinds of data points we could point to that this is already working. Uh, Axie Infinity, uh, the stats that I have here are there are more wallets for Axie Infinity in the Philippines than credit cards. Axie uh, is obviously doing a better job banking the, uh, the unbanked, but also there's more remittance uh, from Hong Kong and Singapore to the Philippines uh, via Axie uh, than from Hong Kong or, or, the, uh, or Singapore. And Axie has now become the eighth largest remittance platform on an annualized basis. Does this just mean that we're getting the blending of fintech, crypto, gaming? It's all coming together and it doesn't actually matter if somebody is moving axes, they're moving dollars or some other asset. It just is a digital file that represents some value to both the sender and the receiver. And that's kind of where the world's going to move to. I think so. The, the way to think about the, I would say, digital econ uh, economy via blockchain is that it's truly becoming borderless. And now there are these certain ways that um, are built to create and transfer value, be they games, be they lending protocols, be they remittances that are blockchain based. And this... Uh, this leaps across the current financial system that is really built up on basically national boundaries and kind of like um, regulation that is very localized. So I think that as more and more of the value moves um, online to uh, digital economy via, uh, via blockchain, we're going to see value seamlessly transfer basically from like one point of the world to another via whatever you're doing, be it uh, like interacting with a game, buying an NFT, being in DeFi. Let's bring it back to YGG. And one of the things you've told me in the past is that YGG is building a playbook for scaling this over and over again in terms of how to recruit players, how to educate them, uh, how to give them the tools, um, how the capital relationship works, uh, and then also providing infrastructure. Is this something that is only available from a yield generation standpoint and that, that kind of repeatable process to play to earn games? Or can you actually bring this to other things in the digital or virtual economy? economy that have yield, but might not necessarily be a game themselves. Yeah. So, for example, if you look at some of the uh, the DeFi protocols, they are 
some form of game already. They're just not presented as um, as such. If you do lending and you get an achievement, um, in a way, it's also a game. This just, uh, I guess, a gamified version of finance. So I think what we're doing with uh, Play to Earn is not unique to games itself. You're seeing things like... Uh, like uh, read to earn, um, invest to earn, basically incentivized mechanics where you can interact with different um, protocols and then earn some kind of value within the protocol itself. I previously asked you uh, what one of your goals was, and you told me that you really felt it was important that people could start believing and understanding uh, the path to making a living playing video games. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so there's tons of gamers around the world, probably at least 2 billion gamers. And we've been conditioned by society to believe that this skill that we've learned over time, starting when we were children, is basically worthless because there is no financial value to it. And what we're discovering with Play to Earn is that there is actual financial value to being a gamer, except that the player themselves have never captured this value. It's always gone to someone else, the developer, the publisher, the retailer. Um, the app store. And what play to earn is discovering is that if I'm coming out there as a player, as a community member and giving value to a game by my presence and by my contributions, I can actually receive value back. And that is such a, I would say, mind blowing moment in that like moms have been yelling at their kids for the last 30 years to stop, stop playing games and do something useful. And as it turns out now, their moms are yelling at their kids to finish the daily quest in Axie Infinity so that they have their daily earnings. When you think about the structure that you're pursuing, uh, you are probably, if somebody asked me, who is pioneering the, the kind of tip of the spear of innovation around DAOs and gaming and virtual economies and, and new types of work. How do you see this evolving over time, specifically around uh, the DAO structure and the ability to um, kind of organize and leverage both intellectual capital on individuals, but also financial capital and resources? DAOs are super interesting. I think it's the evolution of the of the concept of a corporation. I feel like a corporation with equity is the analog or the kind of, uh, yeah, the analog structure of how people coordinate to produce value. And, uh, and DAOs are the software or the digital version of how to do it. Now it's uh, much, much simpler to organize and for example, put up a DAO that has a wallet that can contain assets. It might be you have, for example, a stable coin to buy an asset with, and then you have a community that may have tokens that represent membership or ownership. And it's so easy to spin these up. You can, uh, like anyone from around the world can participate in a DAO and then communicate with each other on how to collectively uh, work together to generate value. So like DAOs are, I think, like the next really big thing once you have like, like DeFi and NFTs, because DAOs are the ones that organize people around all of these different activities. What are the risks around DAOs? Or what do you look at as the downsides uh, of what I think most people are, you know, are relatively bullish or, or cautiously optimistic about, but what are the, the downsides or risks? Well, it's still very new. Um, I don't think that um, there are, for example, legal protections that are as, uh, I would say, 
um, established as there are with um, equity uh, corporations, how they sit in in the real world, like are DAOs an LLC? Are they a company? What kind of corporation? is? Those are not very set yet. So yeah, we're still operating in a very gray space as it is brand new. And these things are still being defined as we speak. And then for you personally, what, what has been the biggest surprise since you started Yield Guild Games and, and kind of risen to, um, you know, th- this position where everyone's looking and saying, wow, that's really cool. That's really interesting how uh, they've built that. W- what's been the biggest surprise? The biggest surprise really has like how much of the power of a DAO like really comes from its player community. Of course, you have the founders, you have the team that are creating value by creating a product or service that people will use, but the power of a DAO really emanates from its community. And the more you empower it, the more you give the community ownership, the stronger the network effects become. You don't really see this in companies because there aren't There traditionally haven't been network effects around, for example, stock ownership. It's only very recently in, for example, what we've seen with Tesla or with Wall Street Bets, their collective ownership of a company has given rise to a network effect. And in DAOs, this is kind of very inherent to the structure of it. And that's that's a very powerful concept. And then as you look forward, uh, what is your kind of pitch to people who potentially are interested in uh, playing a game uh, or could become uh, Kind of a guild member um, or, or a scholar. Is there any you know kind of message that you have for those individuals? So the pitch is that a lot of people think that you know play is fun and work isn't fun. What we're saying is that in the metaverse, there's a lot of things that are there for you that could be fun for you and also make you money, right? It's always almost people have always thought of it as mutually exclusive, or maybe there's just a very select few number of people in the world who are both doing work that is meaningful and having fun and getting paid for it at the same time. I think crypto and the metaverse play to earn actually opens up the creator economy, meaning people that are using their unique skills to earn a living by themselves, make money and find meaning in what they do as well. Um, Because there's just so many options for people and you can find what works for you, where your skills have value and how you can get paid for it. Where can we send people to learn more about uh, YGG or uh, or find you on the internet? This is absolutely fascinating. There's so many people who are interested in it, but where, where should we send them? Uh, discord.gg slash YGG. The Discord community is where you can learn about all the different games that we're playing. Twitter.com slash Yield Guild is where you can find um, our announcements. And from a Discord perspective, what happens in Discord around these DAOs and sub-DAOs that maybe people who aren't used to the the Discord community uh, or ecosystem, what, what, what would they not know if they went into the Discord? So it might be a little overwhelming at first. You go into the Discord and then uh, there's maybe 30 different games that people are talking about. There's different community events. For example, people are live streaming their games. People are just hanging out. Sometimes there's even karaoke night on, um, on the Discord. But it's a place for people to basically find their tribe. Are you going to play Axie as a scholar? Are you there as an esports player? Do you want to know about breeding? Or maybe you're interested in League of Kingdoms or Splinterlands or Zedrun. Do you want to trade assets with other people? So um, the guild discord is there to really find what you want to do in this play to earn world. And in terms of following you, uh, Twitter is the best place? Yeah, twitter.com slash G-A-B-U-S-C-H. That's me. 
Awesome, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, I am uh, just absolutely blown away, I think, by uh, the Dow and SubDAO structure and what you're doing with Yield Guild Games. It seems to be uh, a really interesting way to get more people involved, uh, to help finance uh, some of this play to earn, but also uh, still stay in line with a lot of what I would consider you know timeless investing principles around yield generation and cash flow. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch to see what you guys do in the future. And uh, we'll have to do this again. Thanks for having me, Bump.